0: Welcome to the Lockbox Podcast. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Jason Duncan. Jason, thanks for being on with us. Pleasure to be here, Jeffrey. Absolutely. So, to kick it off, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from?
1: Yeah, uh, a long-winded story. Uh, I grew up in Ontario in the Toronto area. I was uh, heavily involved in the film and then technology space. I had relocated out to uh, Calgary about 10 years ago to enter commercial real estate, built a successful practice there after being seduced by a wealthy scoundrel is my story. Uh, And along the way, um, met my uh, good friend and now business partner where we've launched our prop tech company with rentperks.com.
0: Awesome. And we'll dive into rent perks a little bit later in the episode. Really intrigued to uh, you know explain what that is and how you've gamified property management and the rental space. Super interesting for a lot of my listeners. But to start off, you know, you you mentioned kind of being seduced into commercial real estate. And one thing that intrigues me about your journey is that when you arrived in commercial real estate, you came from a tech background. And then you're able to kind of bring tech into commercial, which, you know, between the two, between residential real estate and commercial real estate, residential is definitely catching up faster to technology and all the other opportunities that are out there as far as, you know, drone footage on listings and using Facebook pixel to retarget people. And, the, you know, they're doing stuff on residential, but I find that on the commercial side, cause I'm a commercial broker myself, it's still super old school. And so I'm very, very intrigued you know, what were some of your tactics to bring tech into commercial real estate?
1: You know, it's interesting. My first experience was um, seeing the older guys who had the successful tenure in the practice showing up and they were always walking around with briefcases and they'd sit in their office and they kind of hide stuff away. And it was, my opinion was the, the secret society of data was really inside their briefcase and mines and not anywhere else. And and I saw there was tremendous opportunity transactionally from being able to put the data in something and have it accessible at your fingertips. And I had shifted from doing office leasing. I was with some of the bigger brands, Avis and Young, JLL. I'd shifted into an industrial practice um, in Calgary, Alberta. It's the Houston of the North, basically. So heavily energy centric, a lot of really big, we we'll call them ugly buildings but very expensive due to steel and concrete requirements and things really good book of business and uh what i was frustrated with was driving around the neighborhood and not being able to just look on my phone and find stuff I need. In a case in point, I built a a CRM on Salesforce just so that I could have the data at the push of a button. But what I populated it with was all the brokers that I had partnered with, they have all this data that they've collected through different systems. And I merged it all. And I literally had 140 million square feet of industrial assets all in the a CRM. And then I had the separation of ownership versus the operating entity as tenancy and things. It was all in there. And I would literally drive through a neighborhood and either there was a business that was bustling and they didn't have enough uh, parking for staff and operations were going nuts and nuts, and they needed a bigger building, or the opposite. And there was like a guy out broom sweeping the parking lot just to keep his job, but there was nothing going on, and so they need to dispose of the asset. And I could literally walk in, uh, walk in the front door of the shop, and pull up Steve's contact info and sit down with the president and talk to him about what's going on. Uh, and so I really took a creative strategy about the way I wanted to do the business, which allowed me to focus more of my time on really creative deals um, instead of the time-consuming nature of the way the industry had predominantly been operating.
0: Right, And so I had a
1: pretty effective book of business over my tenure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So there is no type of MLS or, you know, in in this states we have Reonomy for the commercial side like LoopNet and stuff like that. And so at the time you kind of had to create your own version of that. You had to get into a central database like who owned the, the, what. The who problem is some of those
1: platforms are also limited by, you know, the data that they have uh, able to put in and you know, you got CoStar that owns apartments.com and they use that to build their multifamily transaction CRM and they enter the other markets, but their data is really weak because the focus is on multifamily assets. And so if you want to sell apartments, it's a great tool. You want know, to do the other stuff, you're using multitude of platforms. And I was just frustrated by the cumbersome nature of it. So I just took whatever data we had from the partners' backgrounds and just pooled it all in. And anytime new listings were coming up, our admin staff were just populating all the new stuff in. So it was real time and it was there.
0: Yeah. And you yeah. created that system. You saw that there was there was this need for it and you created it from scratch, which is great. And so you know you transferred later into Rent Perks, but you know, at the height of your commercial career, you mentioned having a pretty large book of business. You know, what was the transaction volume of, of that last full production year?
1: I actually ran a total over the decade and it was getting close to a billion in transaction value, predominantly because of the nature of the big ugly buildings that I referenced, you know, when you're building massive heavy equipment that's going into the oil and gas field, you need super high crane heights. Super heavy capacity, lots of power, and so the structural elements of a building that go into the capacity side exponentially uh, inflate the valuations. You know, you've got massive piles in the grounds, massive steel load capacity, and and, uh, it just changes the figures um, exponentially. And so, you know, a fifteen thousand foot building that you drive past and think it looks like just a basic warehouse, but it's, you know, nine to $10 million because it's got all sorts of stuff inside that you can't see. Sure. That was really the part that was, that was interesting. And I, I liked it because every client was different. You know, we focused on uh land assembly design build. My partner and I went to market to find opportunities to build things for people as well. And so we'd look at their operational requirements, and then assess what they were trying to do with the shop design. And we'd consult in on that, and then go find the land that would work from a logistics operation based on the design of the shop. And so it was kind of a reverse engineered approach of what usually would happen of the, you know, go find a building and make it work, which is more often the case. And so it ended up being, really creative and, and exciting because you know a lot of a lot of stuff is uh, is unique and uh, as you appreciate the timelines on the design build you know it's easy to get people to sign a piece of paper the hardest thing is getting things to close and stick handling it across the 2 to 3 year window in order for that to actually take place and so the 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 bandwidth was really interesting, and and most of the deal flow started to close and come in toward the final years. But it started early on, and was a ramp up from from what was happening. And then being yeah. energy centric as well, you know, things things can blow it all apart instantly. You know, there's market factors that uh, you know we're we're a landlocked producer region. And so we're at the mercy of literally the entire world from our, our economic position with the energy sector. And that leans heavily into what happens from impacts in the market.
0: Got it. Yeah. So you closed you know, nearly a billion in 10 years. And as you mentioned, some of these deals were two, three years in that time frame. had to create a system from scratch to kind of get to that point. And I love how you brought tech to commercial. You know, I'm coming at it with a, a slightly different approach. But, you know, for me, I'm a commercial agent and acting as a referral agent where I, my strong suit's in marketing, digital marketing. And, you know, I've had a real estate lead generation company for four years, you know, managing well over a million dollars in Facebook advertising spend over that time for direct real estate lead generation purposes. And okay. you know from that, we've obviously learned some things. And so I have the ability now to source deals and then either refer it out to the perfect listing agent for that type of deal, as you mentioned. Sometimes it's an industrial, sometimes it's a multifamily, sometimes it's retail, and not one agent or one brokerage are the specialists for every single type of deal. And so, you know, that's my unique value prop to the marketplace. You know, we're we're just getting started here with this particular positioning for the business, but I'm excited to see where it goes because it seems to make a lot of sense to me. It's like, why go with the first broker that calls you when there might be a better fit out there that you don't don't know yet, right? And so, um, that's how I'm attempting to bring technology into the commercial space, and excited to see where it goes. Also excited to talk to someone who has pioneered in a different way and had success in the commercial space. So you then went from that to you now mentioned your current business partner, and you have a business called Rent Perks. So why don't you tell our listeners, you know, first, what Rent Perks is, and, um, you know, maybe explain it from both sides, like the renter side and the landlord side. Sure.
1: Yeah. Most great ideas are born of frustration, and ours is not unlike any other. You know, my business partner was a lawyer, MBA, 30 years risk consultancy practice in the big four Arthur Anderson, Accenture, Deloitte basically a globe trotter and constantly relocating mm-hmm. and there's a massive movement of executive level people that are in tenancy because when they do relocate, you know, you go to a new place, you don't necessarily buy a new home. But when you're entering a new market, you, you rent and kind of suss out the place, see if you're even going to stay in the in the contract indefinitely, et cetera. And so there's this massive pool of movement in what's called corporate relocation. And there's big shops that do a lot of that business. But when it comes to things on the ground, there's nothing that interconnects from a property management for the rental and management of the assets to a brand that somebody can actually move around from place to place and have some sort of a loyalty about their tenancy. And so really, that's what we've targeted. And we're, we're a unique model in that we're a software development company in-house development team that builds our own model that works the way we take as an operating approach in the market. Totally unique in the you know second oldest industry in history. We're sort of taking a completely different approach to the way that we run things from an operations standpoint. But the first priority is that we're actually changing the nature of the relationship between both the owners of the property. So with rent perks what we're really trying to do is create a loyalty company around tenancy, because there's a great quintile of renters that are what we would call good tenants. They pay on time. They don't damage properties. They're also very transient nowadays, especially from work from home. But even prior, this lead up going into the marketplace of work remotely, wherever you are in the world and take up shop for periods of the time. And essentially, these people can afford to pay good rents, they rent decent places and they move. But every time you go out to the market, each time you're starting from scratch. And so really what we're doing is building a loyalty that travels with you. And as we're in multiple locations and you are relocating and your lifestyle's changing, there's a company that takes care of moving with you. And each time you go into a new property, you have some history. So we get rid of you know the requirement for deposits and we start to have a whole bunch of other benefits and things as well, the longer you stay in our platform. But one of the biggest ones that we're doing is uh, rewarding our tenants. And and we do that through inspections of properties and the payment habits. And essentially, when you're a good tenant and take care of a property, you earn rewards and that redemption starts to increase the longer you're with us. Part of the other part, uh, thing that we do in the market, when people are relocating is we'll have an incentive for them to take another property from our portfolio because we want to keep those good tenants. And what we do on the other side is really, really work to allocate good assets to rent to those tenants as well. uh, And working with a large pool of independent landlords and giving them a platform that has not just the software for accounting and everything else, but it actually has an integral service provision in it. We're unique in the space in that we're not just a software company. We're actually the service provider. We're the boots on the ground. We perform all the work. We manage all the maintenance requests. We manage all the payments. We manage taking care of notices in the event that we need to post for evictions and things. So we're a turnkey property management company, but with the technology development under our shop name, it's it's a prop tech company that we've become. And I bring that up because there's a lot of software development companies that are out there and in the space. And I keep using all these words of prop tech, but they're not really moving toward doing things differently in the space. It's, you know, a component of something. And I go back to the commercial reference where I was looking at all these different platforms and trying to pool all the data. There wasn't a consistent ecosystem model that worked and had everything together. So I had to go out and build it myself. And as I was getting out of the space, things were getting a lot closer to that. But at the time it was it was cumbersome because you're between different platforms and models and doing all the you spend all your time jumping around and doing the work between them instead of focusing on doing your job. And and so really what we're trying to do is create this complete back office support system. Mm. We manage everything across multiple regions from a siloed environment and our jobbing environment in the back end is very sophisticated uh, with scheduling. You know, when we go out to advertise properties, we, we have real time advertising and our system automates the entire columns from prospective tenants. You know, you go, you want to book a property, you send an email or a text, we already have our schedule of availability from our representatives in field to that address. And the advertising has information in it. and We communicate directly back with that prospect the time and day of availability. And they confirmed over text, message or email. That's all running in autopilot. There's no humans. Yeah,
0: that's great. Okay. I, I want to stop you right there just really quickly because sure. you've already touched on so much and I really want to unpack it for our listeners. So the first thing that you touched on that was very interesting to me is the gamification of the rental process from mm-hmm. the renter standpoint. The fact that they can continue going through rent perks and finding different properties in different markets to rent through. They don't have to continue filling out their applications over and over again. They can actually become these verified accounts where they don't have to put down deposits anymore. And it becomes this marketplace of very high echelon qualified renters. And on the flip side, the landlords then are able to partner with rent perks to get access to these renters. And it becomes this one-stop-shop marketplace for really high-quality um, renters and, and properties. And so I think that's very unique, and the gamification of it is genius, really. You know, the gamification, just for my listeners to understand the power of that, the airline industry was going bankrupt previous to installing frequent flyer miles. And then all of a sudden, people are taking three flights to get home for Christmas, instead of going direct from Denver to San Diego, they're going from Denver to San Francisco to LA to San Diego. Why? Because they needed that many flights to hit the next tier of frequent flyers. Like gamification is so powerful and you've introduced it to the rental space in a very creative way. So I want to highlight that You know, I don't want to just breeze over it for for someone who might not understand the value of what you've already installed there. And then, it,
1: you know, it, it's funny because that reference right ahead. there alone is the, the. if you look at the value of the loyalty companies against the airlines, the operators are dwarfed by the value of the rewards companies. So you're right in identifying that. And, and it is this gamification where you keep doing all these different things. You know, part of what we'll implement are, you know, self-serving inspections on the property so, you know important nowadays with everybody being concerned about uh, uh, COVID and access and contact and everything else that we get toward a, a contactless system that is just being automated. And then it's also there verified by our internal staff. And then they get, they get to earn and move around. And this thing carries with them. That is massively powerful, more than the entire book of business of the assets and their rent values. Uh, And so that's really where we've developed this model and uh, the rewards company to go with to encourage and attract and retain um, the good behavior. You know, there's a lot of tenants out there that are great. And all we ever hear about is the bad ones, because one bad tenant can make the world of noise, uh, and they typically do. But the rest of the world out there, they're great. They're super awesome. I mean... You know, I, I'm a renter here where I'm at, you know, like we pay on time. We do our own stuff around the house and take care of it. You know, there's executives that are constantly relocating all over the world. And, you know, that now they just have a push of the button feature set to be able to do everything they need. And that, right. that history, the the importance of the history that carries with you is The most important thing is that it creates momentum in the marketplace and drives inbound toward our brand, but simultaneously it de-risks all the assets that we manage because we know that they're not going to go in there and remodel the house unnecessarily. We know that the mortgage payments aren't going to lapse and and go into arrears. All of that stuff is is kind of reinforced by the modeling.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. and. You know, something that I was going to touch on as you're describing this, you know, gamification model and the renters and the landlords and, you know, everything that's going on here is, you know, landlords can think of this in a few different ways. Uh, Number one is that you can think of it as replacing your property management company. In number two, it's also accounting, back office stuff, because you mentioned including, you know, rent roll and all of the things that are being, being deducted probably for any types of improvements or repairs and all of that. So you get the software dashboard as well as the boots on the ground. I think the biggest question for my listeners is how big are you guys? Like, where are you so far? And, you know, where are you expanding into?
1: Sure, we've been a bootstrap startup for the last two years. We are all self-funded. We're a zero debt company, and we've scaled across 14 cities in Canada in our first two years. So I want to stop and highlight that for one reason, and, and this is where we differentiate ourselves from any property management company in the space, is that we are across multiple regions and in the western provinces, as it would be in the state of California, regulated regions where we have separate licensure under each of those regions and everything operates under the real estate laws per region, but we're across multitudes of them. And the uniqueness of our model allows us to serve tertiary markets exceedingly well, as well as we would a high density city center. And so one of the things that we're really targeting is growth into all those tertiary markets and surround some of the metropolises. And then sort of enter those larger density city centers as a secondary approach, a tier two or a tier three from our growth. Uh, we're right now at a stage where we're turning into our growth model. We have always been designed as an aggregation play, and we go to market and we acquire rent rules either from realtors. You know, there's a massive pool of realtors who manage maybe 15 units or less. And they typically manage those because they've got an investor client that they don't want to lose on the transactional side, but they don't want to hand it over to a property management company because most of them are involved in sales as well. And so they'll end up losing their client and they end up taking on property management and they hate it. I mean, it's a grindy business. Nobody likes property management except us because of the way we approach our operating model. We do it totally different. And so we can approach those for acquisitions. They give us the property management. They don't lose the sale because we don't do sales. We'll never be on market competing against them. And then the other books are you know, property managers who have books of business and they're on market. There's hundreds of them available for sale today. And so we'll go out and we'll start acquiring those. We like the smaller portfolios in a variety of locations versus the big ones in a high density city center because we start to surround and get through those multi-markets. And that's where the branding starts to have an impact. What we're building is a brand for renting. You know, it's rent perks, rent better anywhere. We we literally are building a service model that creates deliveries in every single region with consistency. As an investor, all these people relocating They've got assets in multiple regions. Most of your clientele on, on your podcast would have investments in multiple cities, and they've got three more, three or more property management companies. And they have to go to the level of trying to teach them how they want them to work for them. It's not realistic, and most of them never really do follow through. Although they might perceive in doing so, they're really just running around placing tenants because that's the way the business model works. And so what we're offering is a consistent tool set that has your entire portfolio at the push of a button. And it doesn't matter where the location is. And then having the good tenants in the platform in the background as well.
0: Which is very attractive for a lot of reasons. One question is that I'm curious if you are offering single family as well as multifamily property management.
1: We do. And we actually launched built around a single family model and actually around the independent landlord that has five or fewer properties and really specializing in giving them a model that makes their asset competitive in market, gives them a de-risking model for cash flow because of our placements and the way we curate our, our tenancies and things and it creates a completely uh, different landscape of opportunity as an investor going into that type of asset class. And so that was our primary focus with my commercial real estate background. Of course it was inevitable to get into the multifamily and in that space where we're really targeting are not the massive portfolios. We're we're targeting the mom and pop operators that you know they've got a group of JV investors coming together and doing these things but they're hopeful that they're going to get a property manager to take care of things most of the model and most of the industry approaches it from an acceptance of what the market will prepare to deliver on and that's it uh and so we're stepping in and we have very competitive fees but we have all this tech we have the rewards we've got commercial banking integrations and we're actually the service provider, and we're, we're competitive against that entire landscape. And now what you have is that model that goes into the different regions, because those investors, you know, they'll get one or two assets, and then they'll start looking at other regions, and they start moving their money around. And the multifamily market throughout North America is very unique in that on the smaller assets, you know, up to 50 unit count or smaller, typically the, the larger pool. And so our model targets both.
0: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense and will be very appealing to my listeners because myself, I focus on multifamily and, you know, just to know that it could go either way is very intriguing. And prior to the podcast, you mentioned that right now you're approved in Denver, Colorado, and you're then planning on going into multiple other US markets within the the coming months and years. And so, you know, for, for those of you that might be interested, you know, stay tuned on, you know, rent perks website, see, I'm sure where they're rolling out. And, uh, you know, this is something that I really feel strongly about the gamification aspect and how the renter has a history that they carry over from property to property. It's a few really unique elements here that no one else is doing that I've heard of. And, you know, I think that this has legs to go, to go very far. So, you know, right, right now with. This business in particular, you know, what are your current constraints? You mentioned being a bootstrapped startup, which I intimately know. I've bootstrapped Mm -hmm. multiple startups, and it's uh, it's a grind, you know. But you know, are you looking for capital? Are you you looking to you know for partnerships to strategic partnerships? Looking to expand in different markets. Like, what what's your focus right now? What's you know what's your biggest holdback?
1: So. Where we're at is just shifting into our growth model and it's predominantly an acquisition-based model. And we're doing that from a variety of approaches uh, where we will consider buying outright uh, the, the management rights from property management companies in different regions. We're also taking a unique partnership opportunity right now to get new locations into different states and new regions we are going to offer our platform with a property manager that has a small portfolio, a couple hundred units. They really want to grow, but they're taking all of these um, uh, approaches to try and grow their business without actually rethinking the actual process of what they do as a property manager. And so, what we can do is step in and essentially run an entire back office support give them the platform, give them the branding, all of our um, everything gets offloaded from their shoulders. And now they can go out and focus on growth in the region uh, and taking our brand to ground. So we've got some unique opportunities that we're considering right now. Um, we're, we're kind of in some negotiations. So California, uh, Texas, maybe Arizona, Look at Florida. And then once we kind of get those up and running, we'll start looking at some other opportunities while simultaneously going into uh, capital raise. Um, and so we've got targeted stages for our capital deliveries, first of which will be a, a crowdfunding we'll use to, to get up and running our first step into the space. All of that money goes directly into our acquisition model to buy portfolios. And then we also go turn around and go into a Regulation A at a future date for further capital. Our end goal in 2028 is an IPO. And a large part of the way that we're growing is to deploy a share pool for our partners that end up taking our brand into those locations. And they'll see significant future benefit when we do go public.
0: Interesting. Yes, you have the the vision mapped out and prior to taking on any type of seed investment, you mentioned crowdsourcing, which is a a very interesting model, you know, going crowdsourcing Kickstarter campaign style and really letting an idea, a great idea flourish from, you know, that type of funding, which is really, really unique as well.
1: Well, the first thing that we have that we can go to a unique part of that segment with is the fact that we're rewarding and creating a model that caters to tenants as well as to the landlords, right? And so we're really kind of the first company in, in its instance of that uh, type approach. And, and they're, they're
0: usually one or the other, right?
1: They're usually one or the other. Yeah. And so, you know, when we do the crowdfund, there's a bit of a marketing play in it as well as to share the brand and what we're doing uh, with our unique modeling. And no doubt we'll have tenants that become investors into some of those initiatives because they see the benefit of what we're doing to that audience uh, as well as the investors being de-risking all of their investments by having a consistent tool service platform that takes them wherever they want to go from an investment strategy. So it'll be really unique uh, and I expect that we'll have a quite a bandwidth of different types of groups coming in with interest uh, and for completely different reasons. And then when we get out to the the stage of, of going public, we've got some really unique lead-ups that we're going to do prior to that, that um, it, will, uh, it will further legitimize everything when we do finally hit that bell.
0: Got it. And with the real estate industry as a whole, just transforming and rather than technology replacing real estate professionals, I see it much more as an integration. Do you see... Rent perks as a, a step in that direction of a further integration into the real estate professional and technology. You know, as
1: investors, um, uh, my my partner and I have had more frustrations uh, from uh, service, and it's it's quite honestly the industry and the way it operates that is the problem. And, and we take a very unique approach, which which steps away from that. But you've got major, major challenges around investing into an asset and, um, uh, and getting the returns and securing the returns and, uh, and de-risking, placing all of your capital. And, you know, you you need a certain model that's going to be able to support you in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in in your investor standpoint, if you're putting your investor cap on, you're saying that this is a way to de-risk an asset.
1: We are. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I see as a fundamental flaw in the industry is the compensation structure. Case in point, uh, while a company makes money off of placing tenants under their lease fees, and we do as well, the compensation in the staffing model is exactly the same. And what ends up happening is, You know, you've got people that are running around placing tenants in properties and that becomes their job, but they're getting compensated to do so. So they don't really care about the due diligence and the placement. They just shove people in the door and get paid. It's an ethical flaw if you ask me. Uh, and so the way we operate, we kind of run an operations center for property management, the way Amazon runs logistics. Everything is from a, a siloed location and deploys multi-regional. And then the way we integrate with our staff is more like Uber, where we're digitally integrated. And so, um, you know, coming back to the the, the technology separation. It's important to understand that there are a lot of companies that are actually removing the, the human contact. And really what we're trying to do is remove the commodity type aspects of the industry. You know, the consistent volume of barrage of questions that come in from investors of, you know, I have a vacant property. Where's my cash flow? I need mortgage payments. What's happening? And that there's a lot of demand around that risk we automated the entire process so that we actually tell you what we're doing with a vacancy in the marketplace. And it's real-time data because we're a data company. It's all in the background. All we did was turn on some switches to actually highlight and display that into a reporting module that tells you what's happening with your vacancy. And it gets real-time data that allows you to have – uh, higher level conversations with the representative managing your property in fields, instead of just the rhetoric that usually takes place, uh, you get to have really, really high level conversations when you do interact with our, our team. And so where we see that is that the technology is really improving the service line deliveries and the type of interactions that our clientele are having with our staff are much more interesting. They prove more financially and, and you start to have, you know, I guess, not just more trust, but more excitement in your investments because now you're at a higher level of engagement. You're really talking about what the market's doing, what your assets doing, and not just chasing rents and the, and the typical sort of line of questioning that takes place uh, that we've seen consistently from the market and experienced ourselves.
0: Right. And as a commercial Real estate broker and investor. If you had multifamily properties and rent perks existed, you know, while you were active, would you have used it on your property?
1: You know, I think multifamily is very uniquely interesting in this space, and and we have some specific ways that we target the management of them that is unique to us, and and I think sort of some of my visioning from my my experience. Reapproaching the entire staffing model. You know, I used to use the anal- analogy of pulling up to a apartment when you're a young renter and you're going in to rent a property, and there's the fat guy in flip flops smoking a cigarette, mowing the lawn, and uh, that's who go- takes you in to show your property. You've already had a horrible experience, and you've reduced the actual income potential to the assets simultaneously. Because you're negotiating against yourself by that whole relationship. And so because of our tech and our Uber-like integration with our staffing model, you know, we've got customer service reps that do placements. And then we've got property managers or higher level skill set employee that go out and engage with the commercial trades that are doing scheduled maintenance and all the common area area elements and things. We run a completely different modeling in that so that. The curb appeal is increased just by insertion of our model that's going to get you better top-line revenues to the asset just by us being there. Then you add in all the services, the rewards, the banking, uh, and it just improves the asset overall. And when you look at the line item in the NOI from a competitive nature… We're probably going to cost a little bit less even than that current cost, but we're going to improve the top-line revenue of an asset. So it's a, it's a no-brainer in my mind. The industry is very traditional in its mindset. As you have noticed, we discussed earlier, you experienced that it's yep. it's kind of got its head in the sand in most instances. And so really what we're hoping to do is get into opportunities where we can highlight why we need to approach with new thinking and new ways of doing things for any of it to change because we keep making tools to make the things that we're doing already a little bit better, but they're marginal improvements. They're not a re-envisioning the wheel approach. And that's what we'd like to think we are and the way that we're taking this to ground.
0: Got it. Yeah, it makes total sense. I think it's super innovative. And you know myself... I'm an innovator. So I, I always appreciate technology companies, market companies that are on the cutting edge and you're doing some really amazing things with Rent Perks. So really appreciate you being on the show. Is there anything that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier?
1: You know, one of the approaches that we're taking in our acquisition that is unique, where there are sizable portfolios uh, from the investor audience that's uh, out there, we're considering an opportunity of actually buying the management rights from you. And so we are the first management company that is actually going to show up on your doorstep and pay you to give us your business. And uh, that's an accelerant of our market trajectory. And our ability to enter new regions on average is about 30 to 50 unit count from a cash flow standpoint in order for us to get into get licensed, do all the things we need to do, get staffed and be up and running like 50 doors or less, like that's really low. And so it allows us on almost every instance of negotiation to enter a new region with relative ease. And then we'll just go through the onboard process in that. But um, you know, turning it around and actually to the investors out there who are paying property management company and they've just accepted the way it's going, we'd like to talk to you because we may have an offer that would uh, create some money in your pocket that you can go and spend for more investments while simultaneously getting a better service provider.
0: Makes total sense. And how can listeners contact you if they're interested in any of that? Rentperks.com.
1: Everything is right there on our website. Um, There's a real time chat. You can always just jump on there and it'll get a hold of somebody and, um, try to contact me as best you can and I'll kind of cypher through and work through any opportunities that may surface. But we're here, we're 24-7, we're, we're always operating. So there's always people around and we'd be happy to discuss any opportunities with your audience.
0: Excellent. Jason Duncan, everyone, Rent Perks, previous experience in commercial real estate and you know many other aspects of the real estate industry. So really appreciate having you on and appreciate what you're doing with Rent Perks. You know, I I see this as being a massive company and really cool to have interviewed you two years into the journey. You mentioned the goal of going public in 2028, which apparently be about 10 years after the, you know, you initially hit market, right? So I love that ambitious goal. And, you know, I, I wish that for you. I wish you all the best. So thank you for being on the show.
1: I uh, really appreciate you uh, inviting me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Jeffrey. And uh, thanks very much for the opportunity. I look forward to speaking to you further.
0: Likewise. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show